Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Buffy Virgin. My name is Michael. I'm your host for this episode. Uh, Dennis, our normal host, is in uh, on a trip at the moment. He'll be back soon. Uh, but we are talking about season four, episode two, Living Conditions. And on the podcast today, besides me, who's I've only seen up to season four, episode two, uh, we have John Landis. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, we have Scalpel. Hey, how's it going? And we have a special guest, Audrey. Hi. <laughs> Hey, so uh, Audrey, that's a new voice. Hey, Audrey, can you tell us about how you got into Buffy? Sure. Uh, when I was in high school, Buffy was also in high school the same year. But predating that, like, I did see the movie when the very first Buffy movie came out before there was a TV show. And I just kind of grew up with Buffy. I graduated with her from high school. And uh, <laughs> it's it was definitely a live TV watching staple for, for me for the entire time it was on. Not only that, I forced three ex-boyfriends to watch it from me from beginning to end, as well as Angel. Uh, that might be why they're ex-boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've, I've also owned every single Buffy Christmas ornament until just last year. I had to sell all of my more creations Christmas ornaments on eBay for gas money to drive across the country. So. Well, that's, that's sad. There's something in there about selling, yeah, selling your dream, uh, selling a Buffy collectible to make it across country. Yeah. I'm sure Joss wouldn't, we would approve. Yeah. Like, well, like I sold, in case of emergency. I sold more than just my Buffy stuff. I sold a lot of things like learning to let go. And then uh, I pretty much just, drove with everything I still own fitting in my vehicle. I, I only shipped a couple boxes of like books via media mail and everything else was just whatever I could carry. So it's hard letting go when you, you've been a geek collector. Uh, okay, I've, I've managed comic book stores for 17 years and I even worked for Diamond Comics distribution for a little while during that period of time. So the geek flows through me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So question for you, when you did the rewatch with, uh, with boyfriends, did you watch every episode or is, did you skip some? In order, in order every time. But then I would, I would have a habit of like, when I was living alone, I would like to put in other DVDs too, but Buffy was a, a, a staple cleaning uh, DVD. So I would like pop in a random season disc, which would have multiple episodes on it and hit play and do the laundry and wash the dishes and like clean up the whole house all with Buffy there in the background, keeping me company. So <laughs> what, what season do you come back to the most? Oh God. Well, actually it's been, it has been admittedly a few years, which is why the Buffy version podcast is so much fun for me because it's been, it's been a few years since I've listened, 
or watched and to hear you guys get excited and talk about it is really sentimental and like reminiscent of the many times I watched it. Um, the early seasons are a little tough because of lower production quality and then as it goes on it gets bigger and better and um, I just really love how the season arcs are kind of like trade paperbacks you know and you get more into the oh my god all this time <laughs> this was going on so the season arcs are definitely a, you know trying to not give any spoilers those are those are my fun favorite parts well we're all excited that you even listen to the podcast this is great that you've and i think you've caught up you said you've listened to them all so that's fantastic what are your thoughts about the podcast so far so it sounds like it's a little bit like reminds you of watching the show live a little bit which is cool uh, there's some things that I never paid attention to with watching, like the kill count, for example. Like, I never really paid attention to how many people or things or demons were dying. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I laughed out loud about you guys talking about outfits recently and shared it with a roommate. And she giggled like she almost spit her coffee on the table when we're talking about outfits. It's just funny listening to you guys. Um, make observations. Probably my favorite part is Michael's predictions. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, but yeah, that's all I get as a virgin is my prediction segment. Everyone else can have a more nuanced opinion about these characters. <laughs> uh, did, did you like his Whistler predictions? Like, when <laughs> were you just like, what is he talking about Whistler? He's pretty sure this is all going to revolve around Whistler. Well, it's, it's also really interesting just seeing him react to stuff because it's been so long since the very first time. Mm. I mean, I, how can I even remember the very first time I, I watched it when I watched it collectively? I don't know, 12 or more times. Wow. <laughs> you know, I don't, that's probably, that's a, an exaggeration, but there are certainly some episodes that I've let play in the background even at uh, managing the comic book store, we would just let movies or TV shows play on repeat all day. So I've had my work life surrounded by pop culture in the background all the time. And Buffy's been a big part of that too. So. Well, cool. Well, we're excited to have you on the show. We'll get started with uh, the summary of season four, episode two, Living Conditions. The Summary. It's episode two of Buffy, the college years. Okay, season four, episode two. Despite killing Sunday on last week's episode, which aired on a Tuesday, Buffy is still having some trouble adjusting as a freshman at college. Living with Kathy, her roommate, who definitely is playing Cher nonstop on a CD player and not a tape player, which is definitely a plot point that needs to be made known, well, living with her is a challenge. It's even affecting her patrolling, although Willow's incessant gum habit doesn't help. Buffy starts having bizarre dreams of drinking blood. The only thing worse is that Kathy borrows her sweater and then spills the blood of a thousand tomatoes on it. Coincidence? Well, maybe if you believe in those sorts of things. Buffy tries to hang with Giles, who is too busy jogging and reading about mopeds to really care. Where is that girlfriend he had last episode? Or is this what we get when we have relationship Giles? Willow? Well, she has a wonderful boyfriend, but has roommate troubles of her own, but those are more prosaic. Buffy seems to experience reverse Stockholm Syndrome as she exposed to more Cher, 
hard-boiled egg cracking, jeans ironing, light FM and love songs, toenail clipping, and worst of the worst, dental flossing in bed. Makes you want to just chug some milk in revenge. But hey, it turns out, she is just having her soul sucked from her body bit by bit every night. Trouble is, Giles, Willow, Xander, and Oz aren't in on the problem until after they tie her up and she escapes to go murder Kathy. Like all roommate conflicts, either supernatural or natural, the guilt or innocence of the parties involved is determined by forensic examination of the toenail clippings. Turns out, Kathy's a demon and, well, has a crappy life in her own dimension. Willow and Giles perform magic while gathered and reverse the curse, and Kathy is sucked back to her own dimension. Buffy needs a new roommate, and so Willow and Buffy are finally living together in what looks to be harmony. Of course, harmony can be short-lived. Only time will tell. See you next week. Wow, that was a great summary. <laughs> that was really great. Uh, all right, so moving on to Great Lines. Great Lines. John, you've got the first great line here. Yeah, I just love uh, Buffy's, uh, like who? Sid the Wily Dairy Gnome? Uh, in response to Kathy's accusation that uh, somebody else may have stolen the milk. <laughs> uh, Travis, you've got the next one. I've got a bunch, yeah. Um, uh, Buffy says, Kathy is evil. I am an evil fighter. It's simple. I'm going to have to kill her. Willow says, you have to kill her? Can't you just switch rooms? which is this like amazing moment where you think Buffy's totally going over the edge. And then earlier Buffy is just um, walking with Willow and says, did you hear something? Willow and Willow says, I am chewing my gum kind of loud and my sneakers are squeaky. And it's like, what is happening with this dialogue? <laughs> Who says this? And then of course Xander is saying, why can't Giles have shackles like any self-respecting bachelor? That is a really good This show was obsessed with those shackles and chains and, well, yeah, so my favorite line, uh, Buffy says, she, uh, there, she's walking with Oz. She's, she's other really bad things. And then she gets crazy and like hits a bench, like not <laughs> destroys it. Oz says, on the plus side, you killed the bench, which was looking shifty. Like, love that. Uh, and then uh, Audrey, do you have a great line? Oh, I, I always like Oz's short little interjections and when they're in the cafeteria and Buffy finally joins them after kind of hitting on and getting hit on by a new guy. Um, he's like, gotta respect the drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got great understated stuff this episode. So uh, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. John, you've got the first weird noticing here. This is really important to me. Um, so throughout the episode, um, Do You Believe in Life After Love by Cher is like being played over and over and over again by Kathy. And in the very first scene where it's it's sort of already playing as we fade in, and then the song ends, and Kathy realizes it's not playing anymore and goes back to her combination CD cassette player, we hear, we press, she presses a button, we hear the tape mechanism clunk, and the song plays again. And so my question is, how did she get a cassette <laughs> to play again without rewinding? And uh, Travis. Yes. You yes, wrote friend. a comment in the notes here. 
And I said, it's um, the sound effects that just added the wrong, the wrong sound effect to the, to the, the button push. And sure. I, and and that, I, my, my proof is you look and Buffy's actually holding the CD jacket for correct, correct. the album. So it's possible that, yes, this is being played on CD, but in that, that extra jacket. tape noise is merely a, a, a mistake on the part of the editors. I, I'm willing to entertain that. But here's what I'd like for you to consider. If you look in the notes... Uh, on page five, I've, I've done a little research here. <laughs> it turns out that the, uh, the device that they're using here is the Iowa CSD EX150, I'm pretty sure, except it's not quite the same model. It's close, because if you look really carefully at some of the pictures I have here, the uh, actual Iowa A, uh, CSD EX150 looks like it has uh, LEDs on it. Um, in the top picture there. And then right under it, you can see the screenshot from the episode and it looks like more of an LCD screen. But other than that, it's basically the same device. So I'm going to say this is, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty close here. Close enough that if you look closely at the buttons, right, you can see that the play button that you would have to press to play the CD again is on the right-hand side. And if you look at the freeze frame, that's the bottom right-hand picture there. If you look at the freeze frame, I'm pretty sure... Kathy is nowhere near that button. Of course, mm. she's nowhere near the play button for the tape either. So here's my theory. I've got a couple theories here. One theory is that what she did was she has a, an auto reverse tape player, right? And what she's done is she's basically made a, like a mixtape of just one song over and over again. And she's dubbed that song onto tape from the CD repeatedly so that she could just hear it on repeat. And then it's an auto-reverse tape player, and it's stopped, and she's pressing play again. But that doesn't quite hold up, because then we would hear the clunk uh, of, the, of the tape player stopping at the end, which we don't hear. We only hear it when she presses play again. So here's what I think is happening, is that uh, Demon Kathy has conjured up a magical tape-playing, CD-playing device that violates all laws of audiovisual uh, machinery, and uh, is solely designed to play this song on repeat. Did this bother you the first time you saw this episode? Has this been sitting there for a while? <laughs> no, it, it, it just, it's just upon uh, recent viewing that I noticed it. <laughs> and, and now I finally understand why we peak at 20 views on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> the veil is pulled back. It's... <laughs> All right. I, I think, uh, yeah, those are all plausible theories. I can't wait for the fan fiction to emerge uh, about this cassette player this ma and the magical tape that uh, a demons can demons create. Demon mixtape. Travis, you got the next observation here? Oh, yeah, yeah. Buffy and Kathy have this amazingly large dorm room. Two, two beds, two desks, two closets, two wardrobes, one fridge, plenty of wall space. Um, it's, like, enormous. It's the friend's apartment of dorm rooms. Yeah, it's like how um, Buffy's uh, apartment as Anne was pretty was better than a lot of our first apartment <laughs> or current apartments. <laughs> yes, or current. Um, so it was pretty awesome. I mean, did I'd never had a dorm? Uh, I never had a dorm room. Uh, I never lived in the dorms. But how does this measure up? I guess to to your your y'all's experience. I've never lived in a dorm either. I did like a church summer camp in a dorm once and I did a music camp for cello in a, in a dorm once, but it's just like maybe two weeks. 
it was definitely as big as the room that I, I shared with the dorm room. I shared with three other gentlemen when I live with, you know, like a four person room. So this is, this could be a four. You can mm -hmm. fit two more beds in there. Easy. Did you have bunk beds, Mike? Cause I remember visiting this yeah. freshman dorm. Bunk beds. Yeah. That was classic. Uh, yeah. Fuck you freshman <laughs> situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess I have the next one, which is wait a second, Travis, yeah. can I ask you to rewind for a second? You said yes. that, you never had a dorm room, but you did live in a dorm. Was this like a Joe Pesci in For Honors kind of situation where you were like the homeless guy living in the basement? Like what happened there? Oh, no, no. I, meant to, I guess I meant to say I never lived in a dorm, although I did go to college. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Sorry. Sorry, gang. <laughs> well, we've got a detective on staff. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't worry that no, my... small. My... Yeah, I don't worry that any sentence you're like Encyclopedia like Brown of this Buffy episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, the rock, I need to get a Bible in here for the next the next time I make a statement. Um, and then uh, one one dead giveaway that Kathy's a demon, in my opinion, is that she starts a colloquial phrase and Buffy totally whiffs the phrase into something insane, such as um, she says a stitch in time, and then Buffy says catches the worm which is like insane, but Kathy just goes, uh-huh. <laughs> so that's how you knew Kathy really didn't grow up in Nebraska or, or wherever she said she's from. Yeah. But once I, again, I made a whole list of all the weird Kathy things that she does, right? Because it's yeah. like that weird, uh, yeah, that weird phrase, the decaf lattes, listens to share, irons her jeans, labels eggs. This has never happened that someone incorrectly finishes a cloak to me it never happened that someone finishes a colloquial sentence incorrectly oftentimes i will say like a random colloquial saying and they'll be like what are you talking about but rarely do they mix up those those metaphors does this happen to you at all i think the appropriate response when someone has a colloquial saying is to say like what or you know you don't finish it right hey it's i mean is it kind of like a call and response if i say a stitch in time well, they were they were having a call and response conversation about like what is happening um, with the the call log. Like they were trying to have like a call and response. But the call log thing is really weird. And then it turns out that like that's a big deal to uh, Kathy. What is with the call log? I mean, that was just how I, I, were local calls that expensive back in the day. No, no, she's just she's trying too hard to be human. So. She's trying too hard to fit in, so she's kind of going overboard and being extremely organized and detailed about it. It's like someone that does a lot of research on a cassette tape player before <laughs> learning a podcast. He's, he's, he's just passing as human for right now. He's really a demon. Yeah. So I, I would like to point out that Willow is so good at college. Uh, she's amazing at it. This is what she's been waiting for. <laughs> Buffy is like struggling with everything and then comparing everything to high school and Willow's just like she's got the boyfriend she's got the school thing figured out she's like acing it it's Brad. really nice seeing Willow like in her where she belongs it's that is one of the best things about this season is finally seeing her like really grow some wings and then when we visit Giles patio was that Angel's patio the that set looked really familiar. redecorated. Yeah. <clears throat> I have to wonder if it was redecorated because it looked, it had these exact same kind of similar stairs. I had, I would have to go back and like really screenshot it, but it's, it's eerily familiar. 
but but has been pretty effectively redecorated. I think it's just all the major set pieces were rearranged, and then instead of nighttime, it's daytime. But like they're like, yeah, yeah, you can reuse those. It looks really nice. I think I always wanted I always wanted an apartment like Giles's, because he has such a nice apartment. <laughs> John, you've got the next one that's weird. Uh, uh, I just this this uh, this uh, season is getting weird because uh, of Xander, who I've spent like the last three seasons uh, we all have uh, beating up on for being such a creep. And uh, I, Xander at this age and me at this age have like way too many similarities for it to be comfortable for me. I just realized because he, after high school, he goes on a big, like he plans to go on a big road trip, but it kind of like ends up being a lot smaller in scope than he planned because that's how life happens. And then he goes and like shows up at his uh, friend's college and says, ah, hey, I'm not college guy hanging out with you at the college, which is something I feel like I did to you guys for a couple of years, well, for a year. Uh, there where I was like showing up at your universities being like, Hey, I'm here hanging out. <laughs> did you show up at Travis's college? Well, I went to his college with Travis before I dropped out. And then the next thing I did was like, go and see Dennis and go and see you and be like, yep, here I am hanging out with you. <laughs> yeah. You did stay in my dorm room for, yep. I don't know how many weeks. It was maybe Just a week, maybe a little over a week, maybe two weeks at, at the least, most. Yeah. yeah. You definitely Xandered your way around. I had no way of framing that though. Yep. Was this when you, wait, no, because you, you dropped up after your freshman year, right, John? It was, was like partway through freshman part, year. It was partway through that, okay. Yeah. Because like, yeah, you, you, wouldn't, you must have wandered around, because Mike, you got out of the dorms after about a year, right? Two years. Oh, you're in the dorms for two years. Yeah, but they required it at Ohio University. Some schools do. Clearly, you know what? does. That's I remember the second dorm room. Yeah, 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 because it was, it was in a different location, and you only had one roommate. Yeah, and then I moved out of that one, thank God. So uh, this episode had a few wonderful surreal moments in it that reminded me of like short films you'd see at festivals that were like just so weird. There's this amazing scene, like the the weird cafeteria scene where, you know, Kathy's wearing, a, you know, Buffy's sweater and she's slowly eating the burger and you see <laughs> just like these crazy so close-ups and then on Buffy's face, I was like, that's borderline student film. And then the nail clipping scenes were insane. And then the sound effect sequences where they're like playing with pencils and nail clippings and screw with each other. Like those are so rad. Uh, and they're unprecedented in no other episode of Buffy. Have we seen stuff like that? So cool. Uh, Travis, you've got one here about a jump cut. Oh yeah. 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 You first see this really awesome jump cut when, um, when the ketchup uh, drips onto the, the sweater and it's just like this close up where you just see Buffy's eyes and then she squints. And uh, it's this really fun jump cut that ends the episode as well when Willow eats the um, PB&J sandwich. And uh, it's like, Buffy's like, I'm a normal girl. You know, I don't have all these hangups. And then Will's like, are you going to eat this? And starts biting down and it's like, broom right to Buffy's eyes, which are like super angry. But love that jump cut. So we know from this episode that Kathy's trying to eat Buffy's soul, apparently. But if that's the, that's the case, why does she talk about having a dream that's so similar to Buffy's? When they when they get down together, is she desperate for attention? Why she do that? Well, she she showed up and Giles was there talking about dreams, and she's like, "Oh, you read dreams?" And so she's probably trying to cover up by saying, "I had the I had a weird, crazy dream too. Why don't you read my dream?" Knowing that exactly what Buffy's dream would have been because she was doing it to her. So that's how I read it. Well, it threw me as the first time viewer. Because I was like, oh, well, she's not 
the person that's doing it. It's these other things that are breaking in that are doing something, but then they're also standoffish, whatever these demon monsters are. So it totally threw me and then made the surprise like better at the end. But see, but she like, gotcha. She fooled you. <laughs> it just it was weird. It was weird. I thought you yeah, anyway, we can talk about what I thought about Kathy later. John, uh, you've got a thing about Oz of uh, his volunteer job. Yeah. Oh, I just uh I just Willow is great because Willow is is sitting there saying, like, if only there was somebody to just do some quiet listening. And Oz is like, I was born for this mission. <laughs> Put me on listening duty. I am the emotionally perfect human being. Such a great guy. Travis, speaking of Oz, you've got a thing. Yeah. I, I, to me, he had a billion lines in this episode. I said he had more lines in this episode than all of season three combined. Possible. It's, it's, it's really crazy. Yeah, he had so many lines. Also, what is Oz studying in school? Do we yeah. Know? Yeah, he's totally, well, he's not studying. What, what is Oz not studying in school, I guess, is the question. We should have a guess, and we should all guess what we think Oz is studying. I mean, they're all freshmen. They don't have to have declared majors yet. What, they're undeclared? What is this, 2003? What's well, 2001? Wait, was undeclared on 2001? I don't know, Travis. Right. <laughs> For some reason, I think Oz is a music major, but maybe that's just because I was a music major the first time I went to college, and it just kind of see those qualities in him i i believe that i mean he's not going to do communications he could be doing computer science and it's just easy no computers you think he'd probably quit after a, a quarter and change his major to <laughs> sorry i did computer science for a quarter <laughs> yeah. but i'm no i think it's, i think you're right i think if i had to guess it would be music major or music theory or something where he didn't really have to work you know, that something that didn't exist in high school as a major, right? He couldn't just coast doing that. So my hunch is he's just kind of, he's just kind of trying to do something that's not technical. That could be many different things. Uh, Travis, you got the next thing here about Oz creeping. Oh, he's creeping. Oh yeah, Mike, what's this prediction with, remember there's this scene where he's, Oz is looking at that, looking at a girl as she walks by. What? I don't remember that scene at all. They're, yeah. they're like outside and they both kind of turn and look at each other, kind of like, uh. Special music plays? Yeah. Oh my god. And gosh. then life goes on in two different directions. Did you uh, catch that? No. You should rewatch it because then actually you see little. Let's you see rewatch like, it. Well, it's like, it's like 13 to 20 minutes into the episode, probably right. around 15 minutes in. And then, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, it, it definitely has like a feeling of a moment because you're like, what, why, why are they both? It's like, did they hit shoulders? What happened? You know? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll check that sequence out then. And then these military people that are in the background of that scene. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I think my mind was still trying to figure out who the demon thing was. And I, these, I'm like, well, it's not that stuff. Uh, Okay, I'll, I'll have to revisit that section. I don't have any predictions. I'll look at it, though, in a, in a break or something. Uh, John, you have a really good point about what's going on in this crazy phone conversation <laughs> that Willow has when after she, Willow and uh, Kathy and Buffy are all, like, gabbing. Yeah, she's talking to Giles on the payphone, and Willow's like, she says, Giles, yeah, I just talked to Buffy, and I think she's feeling a little insane. And then Giles says something, and then Willow says, no, not bitchy crazy, more like homicidal maniac crazy. So it makes it sound like Giles was like, what, is Buffy being bitchy crazy again? Which would be way out of character for Giles. 
Yeah, the B word gets thrown around a bit, right? Because even then, in like when it Bobby does. goes to visit Giles, I wrote down, she's like, bitch attack? Yeah. Like, she's weird. I would be surprised. Giles is a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that as a woman, my interpretation was that Giles is probably trying to be like, well, uh, do you think maybe it's the time of the month or something? Oh. You know, and then... Buffy's like, no, not, or, or sorry, Willow's like, no, not that kind of crazy, but. That's even worse. Is it better? God, what a dick. <laughs> Is she crazy or PMS crazy? Uh, so for some people, it's the same thing. When you're a superpower slayer, maybe. It's... I'm surprised I... they haven't done it. There's been no PMS references on this show even, right? Like, not really. I feel like this is clearly written by It was men. one reference. What? It was Remember back in season two, episode like 18, when Willow says, for three days out of the month, I'm not a lot of fun to be around either. Oh, the, whole okay. over, the whole werewolf episode yeah. was written for that one joke. And it just is like, oh my God, why did we write a whole episode about a joke? Well, um, I feel like the gang should have tied up Buffy a few other times to keep her away from Angel. I know where they just came up with this plan of like keeping Buffy away from someone for a little while. But uh yeah, the the it's it's really funny to see the gang kind of figure out that something's up and they have to do something and slowly they tie her up. It's such an idiotic plan with like the rope net. It's like a prop from Gilligan's Island that they throw on her. And it's amazing that it works as well as it does. It doesn't work. It never even worked from the beginning. And they know they know they're apprehensively like, is this is this really working? I don't think so. Watch the feet. <laughs> So is Buffy just playing along with them? Is she just humoring them in that it feels moment? Like it, right, because she just like gets out when she needs to and like head conks Xander and uh, Oz and then goes about what she wants to do in the first place. So, um, so moving on to I guess the conflict here with uh, you know Kathy, that face ripping effect was awesome and got a total like <laughs> a total wow from me. That was fantastic. I mean, I knew she was evil, but I didn't know she was what she was. <laughs> that was amazing so well pulled off it's like a great physical practical effect that like no one does anymore like to rip off someone's face i'm curious what buffy was planning to do with that move because they grab each other's heads and then like you know i'm sure buffy wasn't expecting her face to come off but she was digging her nails or must have been digging her nails like into her forehead region and pulling down i'm not really sure what buffy was expecting to happen no, no, no. It's like when somebody, when you're sitting, when you're across the room in the kitchen and somebody is like, hey, you want a peach? And you're like, yeah, I'll have a peach. And they throw it at you and you grab it, but it's too ripe and it just squishes in your hand. <laughs> just like that. It's just, just like that. Like that common experience. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think Buffy knows either. She just knows something's up because she's even like this. She has a funny reaction to it too, right? Like, what does she say? I think she's like, I, I knew you were evil. Like she, yeah. <laughs> She was like still not quite there. Like I think she was just doubting herself. Yeah, it's that moment that she's like, I was right. I'm not crazy. High five me. <laughs> uh Travis, you have a funny comment about Giles and magic. Oh yeah. I mean it seems, you know, for three seasons, Giles is like, no magic. Bad magic. You know, I have a bad past with my magic. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, let's do some, we gotta do some magic. <laughs> you know and i think it's i think it's because he's not in the library they're you know they're, everyone's older so i think like, he's willing to 
maybe show behavior that he would be worried about. Um, but then again, Willow is also doing her own spells, so he's he's not quite like the the uber role model. But things devolve to magic pretty quick. I also think this it might be kind of warranted if you have a superpower slayer that has only what a quarter of her soul left, or however many times that has happened. <laughs> You know, it's a little bit more imperative that they re that they reverse that as quickly as possible. So is this soul being stolen? This is not on the list here, but the soul being stolen, is that kind of what's making Buffy act crazier? Is she missing her soul? Yes. Oh, that makes sense. I didn't even put that together. That was what was making her act weird. I just assumed it was the, like, the, the everyone doubting her. I didn't totally get that first viewing either. Like my memory of this episode was that it kind of left it ambiguous, like that maybe Buffy is like has this kind of dark side, um, but this viewing, uh, was, it seemed more like, oh yeah, it was just it was clearly kind of more clear cut that it was because her soul was being taken away, and she they say pretty directly like she wouldn't be doing this if she had her soul. So can speaking of the soul sucking, can anyone explain what the Kathy Demon is and what is the conflict that's going on with her? I don't remember the specifics about the demon, but I know the reason why she's sucking the soul is to hide herself because the other demons out in the forest would walk, whatever, that try to attack Buffy and her like she's the one. They're looking for an individual disguised as a human that does not have a soul. So she's taking bits of Buffy's soul to hide herself from them. Oh, so just a bit of a soul is enough to get her hidden because they would have gotten or, it right away. She's taking it, but she can't apparently do it all in one night. She's doing it over the course of time. And when yeah. she gets the whole soul, then the uh, she'll be she'll be having a soul. Buffy will be having no soul. And then the demons will come in and come after. They'll, they'll think that Buffy is Kathy and take Buffy away. Okay. So that very that very last time while Giles is trying to do his magic she's doing like the last soul suck to get the last of Buffy's soul out of her. And so that they all converge right at the same time. Okay, yeah, I have another Kathy question that'll come up with questions. I guess Kathy, <laughs> Kathy's corner. Uh, John, you have the last thing here about the dingoes. I just like the poster that Willow hangs up when they're roommates at the end. And uh, Willow hangs up this poster that is uh, really just of the 90s it's got the uh three color kind of silk screen look it's got repurposed uh you know 50s clip art kind of imagery that's been made to look sort of sinister and then it also has and this is the most 90s part if you look at the bottom the font is chosen to mimic those old label makers that um you had to press the plastic down uh that's just mm -hmm. of a time that's all and it's it's literally these dingoes are going to eat well uh, some I guess it looks like a fried turkey or something like that, but they might be eating a baby. Is what they're implying. That's fun. Nice, nice uh, detective work on that pulling the poster out. I didn't even pay attention to that. I think I was just like, "Oh, it's not a Celine Dion poster." <laughs> uh, Andre, are you are you nostalgic for any of this crap that we're all nostalgic for, like the CD player, the tape player, these weird ass fonts, and a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I. I totally remember recording songs off of the radio and making my own mixtapes, stuff like that. I'm 1980 baby, just turned 38. 
So you remember? Did, did you remember when people would make mixtapes for a boyfriend or girlfriend or potential ones as well? You remember that yeah. fad? Oh, I got past a mixtape from my school bus driver once. Whoa! It was a <laughs> it was a secret admirer, and he signed the note from Simba because this was Lion King era. What? Oh. <laughs> oh, this is not good. This is. What was on the tape, or did you listen to it? I don't remember what was on the tape. I do. I don't. I do think I listened to it maybe only once. And this mystery of who who the secret admirer was lasted for over a month and was completely hit peak at a school dance. It was kind of sad and. Uh, I don't, I, I didn't, I was not prepared for being kind to a secret admirer. I was just kind of like surprised and maybe a little mean, which I feel kind of a little bad about, but you know, it's hard, it's hard when you're, when you're, I like, I hadn't gone on any dates. I didn't date at all in high school either. It, I, uh, I was a late bloomer, but, <laughs> um, yeah, he, Simba, came up to me through a hand cut rose from a garden that has thorns all at you know, like at me took a photo of me trying to catch this rose with thorns after dedicating a song to me for the dance and it was just kind of like weird and I just was like no <laughs> and that's about all I did was like <laughs> say no and drop the flower and just kind of walk away wait sorry so. the the bus driver was only the messenger. The bus driver was not the person who made the tape. Right. Oh, sorry. I was listening oh. to the story thinking it was the bus driver no, the whole time. No, the bus driver no. was the one. I was like, like, this is way creepy. Yeah, that's why I was so traumatic. Oh my this God. This lovely female bus driver passed me the secret note with the cassette tape. Mm, and I think it. there was a second secret note. Like there were, there were multiple, I think my, my least favorite science teacher, like my least favorite teacher of all, high school passed me a different note from the same student and i'm like whoa they're in cahoots with my bus driver and my least favorite teacher <laughs> this is this is not good this is not voting well oh, man <laughs> when has a secret admirer ever been not creepy what is the it's like why would you do that to someone that's like it's like a weird form of stalking to say like oh from a secret admirer that was my first of a handful of secret admirers over the years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also glad to hear, Audrey, that your high school experience was also insane. <laughs> yeah. As well, which is very reassuring. Very <laughs> insane. A lot of inappropriate things with teachers and uh, yeah, just kind of crazy situations. I guess you could say in a weird way, looking back, I probably had me and a group of kids had a Giles, you know, I could definitely see a correlation there. Oh, having an older mentor that tried to look after you and keep you from practicing magic? And got a little too close to the students. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on to questions <laughs> for the group. Questions for the group. All right, I have the first question here because uh, it's oh, this just one is a weird one. Has anyone ever borrowed your clothes? 
Um, and what's that like? How does that feel when someone borrows your clothes? I guess it's always awful. It's never a good thing. Um, my clothes borrowing story uh, is I let uh, my so uh, I had a room at my dad's uh, while I was in college, and like it had was hadn't officially all the way moved over to being like uh, you know it was kind of like available to me. So after if I left, came back from school, I'd, I'd have a room, even though I didn't I didn't really need a room. So I still had some stuff there, including clothes. I remember coming back and some of my dad's like employees would be wearing them. Uh, and that feeling just really alienating. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. And the room thing. The room thing I was over, I didn't need. But just seeing like people wearing like my jeans, but clearly they weren't fitting. And I was like, oh, where'd you get those jeans? And it's like, oh, just uh, upstairs, up, up, you know, up here. Like, <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want them anyway, but... And then uh, confronting my dad, and he's like, oh, do you need more jeans? I'm like, fuck it. Whatever, he cares. <laughs> uh, but anyway, anybody have any weird clothes borrowing story? I haven't been one for lending out. Lending, oh, I, there's one dress that I accidentally left behind at my flute teacher's house, and her daughter ended up wearing it to a school dance. And then when I went back to get it, she was asking me if she could keep it. And I was like, no, it's my dress. Like, it's cool you borrowed it, but I kind of want it back. And then I never wore it again. And I kind of wish I'd left it. So, uh, Travis, you have the next group question. Oh, yeah. Just, it's, and this ties into the, uh, uh, the whole listening to the same song over and over. But do you ever listen to songs on repeat? And what was the last song that you remember listening on repeat? Like, did, did it happen just as a kid? Is it still happening? It still happens, yeah. Yeah. I just got obsessed with, um, this is totally random, but I got obsessed with uh, For the Turnstiles by Neil Young, which is on uh, on the beach from like the 70s. Uh, classic rock, but man, I don't know what it is about that banjo situation of that song. It makes me want to listen to it forever. I can't get over that song for some reason. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's how people listen to songs now is on repeat because there's no albums anymore. Everything is a single. So I think that's changed so much. I'm listening to Picnic at the Hanging Rock, that first track from that over and over again because it chills me out. That's like my chill down, cool down song. The most recent song I listened to on repeat was by Super Organism, and I first discovered them on YouTube. They've got a pretty good music, couple of music videos that are fun. And they just happened to have a show that was two weeks after I discovered them here locally. And so I got like cheap $17 tickets and was super excited to go see them. So I listened on repeat like a whole bunch of the songs before going to the show just to be ready. Oh, that's awesome. But I definitely had that moment where I annoyed my roommates with the same song over and over again with the shared stereo situation. Because like I like songs on repeat and I wasn't thinking about because everyone else was occupied with their like studying and stuff and i was like oh this clearly isn't annoying and then like i put the same kanye west song on repeat a ton and like i don't have to tell you which one because i can't remember the name of the song but it's just like i really like the, the the melody or whatever of it and then like i had the gall to like later i think like the next day even say like hey you should get i, I really love this kanye west song i'd love for you guys to check it out and i play it and people are like you play that all fucking day <laughs> They're like, are you troll? What are you chewing? What are you wrong with you? <laughs> oh, roommates. Oh man. That's amazing. Um, 
So I had a question for the group too. What was your first or worst roommate experience? Whew, gosh. How honest should we all be with this one? Let's be <laughs> honest enough, right? I, I think like the, you know, the worst was probably, uh, you know, my like my worst dorm camp, you know, gosh, I have so many worst roommate stories. <laughs> like, I, I think... Every you don't year have to pick worse. You can just uh, share something positive about the first if it makes you feel better. Positive? Oh, yeah. I should yeah. have to tell a positive roommate story. I'll, I'm going to tell a bad one anyway because this is like, this is all, uh, like, I it still bothers me. So um, I lived in a big house off campus with like eight, six people, something crazy like that. And one of my roommates, I came, that's not, that's not how the story starts. Story starts, I come home and I'm like, where's my car? And uh, I ask around and no one knows where my car is. And then one roommate, you know, there's like four, four people I have to talk to to like, no one knows this information. There's no like, uh, you know, shared aim messaging channel for my, you know, house or whatever. So I'm like, okay, eventually I find out from another roommate, not the roommate, from another roommate that uh, the, one of my roommates uh, took my car to go visit his parents and he'd bring it back in a few days. He just took the keys from my room. Like, I just, I was totally shocked. Whoa, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure that I figure in a lot of other people's <laughs> worst roommate stories more than the other way around. I think I'm the bad roommate. I'm pretty sure I'm the bad roommate. Uh, and I'm sure for uh, you guys who know me, that's not hard for you to imagine. <laughs> I know. I wish Dennis was here because you two yeah. lived together for like two years or three. Years. No, not no. For like a minute, we lived together. It was and uh, I and think that's, there's so many stories from that time period. Yeah, there was the time that I set an egg on fire no, on accident no. and left the apartment with an egg on fire and uh, came back to an apartment full of smoke. Uh, there's the time that I decided we were going to build a bunk bed inside the apartment. Um, there's the time that uh, apparently like. I guess this isn't really my fault, but like somebody, like a frat guy, like pooped on our front porch and then like I, nobody cleaned it up and it just stayed there forever. And then they built a deck over it. And so it's probably still there. Yeah, but that, that one's not really my fault. I mean, anybody could have cleaned it up. I just also didn't. <laughs> Okay, well, so me, my story. So I never, <clears throat> so I went to two years of college in, in our hometown and I lived at home to save money. So I didn't have a, a roommate at that time. But then I moved uh, to a different state and I also lived at a, at a different home in a different state um, for a year. And during that time, uh, I spent several months in sharing a room with my stepbrother. I have four stepbrothers. And I shared a room with my 15-year-old at that time stepbrother, and I was 20. And <laughs> we shared a room, and um, that's kind of super, super strange. I think for a lot of different reasons. Ultimately, it was really nice because it was like you know, at night, you know, before we fell asleep, we'd we'd like talk like it was summer camp. Like we just to share stories, and you know, I, we would I would give this kid advice. I mean, Lord knows if it was any good. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's a tumultuous house when you think, you know, four stepbrothers. And uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting memory. Not a lot of people say that, that, that they shared a room with, 
<laughs> with someone much younger when they're going to college. So it's pretty random. So my first, I moved out when I was 18 and I ended up moving in with two other music students in a house. So it wasn't, I never had the dorm experience. I had my own room. So housemates, but house slash roommates. Um, long story short, <laughs> uh, she had a habit of turning the power off to my room, the circuit breaker box, if she was mad at me about something. This really weird uh, kind of dynamic going, her expectations of what it would be like to live with other people for the first time was a lot different from my expectations. <laughs> And when I went to turn the power back on to my room, she locked me in the garage. So that's the tidbit, the tiny tidbit, not the full story of my first and one of the worst <laughs> experiences with a roommate. Was she terrifying? I mentioned. Well, <laughs> hold on. Talk about being on a power trip. I mean, oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell us well, more stories. They, at that point, the only control I had was the circuit breaker box because I'm locked in the garage. So I turned the power off to the whole house and they tried to call the cops. Well, they wanted, they faux called the cops because this is before cell phones and we had a portable that's still the charger. The base has to be receiving power in order for you to actually make a call. So they're trying to pretend to make a call to the cops standing right next to the garage door that I'm on the other side of. And I just kind of like banged on the door and then they all ran out the house screaming and then did call the cops. And the cops were like, well, you know, she wants to press charges, but she also locked you in the garage. So you can press charges too, or you all can just decide to not. And <laughs> so I was like, I'm trying to move out anyway. So nobody pressed charges. Well, that sounds like the worst situation, like the the classic Kathy situation. Uh, so, so I have, I have one housemate story. Um, this is when <laughs> I was a senior, you know, final year of college, um, <clears throat> living in a in a house with several other people that were in their upper years of college, college, but in some different colleges actually. Um, I think I've told the story where the owner of the house had gone to Singapore for like three to four months. We ran out of heating oil, which was a pretty uh, in the dead of winter, which is pretty great. But the other thing that we had no idea what going on was that one of the housemates, um, and he only lived there briefly before he was kicked out, did not use toilet paper um, after having a bowel movement or after going number two. Um, he, was, he, was, uh, he was European, so he, he used bidets. Funny story, house, had to, house didn't have a bidet. So what he would do, and we had no idea he would do this, is that he would use the the sink in the bathroom as a bidet. Gross. That sounds difficult. Just like he was like, also like six three physically. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how this all worked because he was like six three and some huge guy, um, but also like. Did it have like a kitchen faucet in no. the bathroom? Where no, it was it like off? it was like those cheap. It was like those sort of faucets that are like really small, like. And he would do this every time, and like, 
We just had no idea. I think I didn't share a bathroom with him because he was downstairs and he had the downstairs bathroom. But the guy who did share a bathroom with him when he found out was like really horrified. <laughs> How did they find out? It's like, oh, I noticed that uh, toilet paper consumption is only 50% of what it should be. <laughs> oh, no, just many years later, or not many years later, just like after he had been kicked out. Um, the truth was revealed. Well, he didn't even like reveal like it was bad. He's like, oh man, I love that sink. <laughs> we're like, we're like, what do you love this? What do you love about this sink? I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's like, oh yeah, man. Or, or do you say stuff like, man, I can't believe you guys use that toilet paper. And we're like, wait, what do you mean? You can't believe we used that toilet paper. Oh, that was like the least crazy thing he was doing. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear how he got kicked out another time. Um, let's move on here. Uh, I've got another interesting dumb question. But uh, Buffy in this episode says, oh, I'm going to, I want to be the new Buffy. I'm the new Buffy now. I'd like to be able to say I'm the new Polly sometime. <laughs> what a fun way to just like, <laughs> just invert reality and just like, um, it's new Polly now. Everything you thought about me before? No, no, I'm I'm a new poly. Uh, he, you know, new poly. Uh, he just has new habits. He uh, he he eats breakfast every morning. New poly jogs five miles. New poly is the better version of yourself. Uh, anyway, how about you? I wouldn't say I've gone out to say I'm new Audrey, but I've tried to make big sweeping changes, like driving across the country and stuff like that. To where I'm like, this is it. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to freelance. I'm going to do all these things. This is my new life. And of course, you still revert back. Pretty much no matter what, you end up reverting back to some degree. Yeah. Uh, Travis, you've got the next question here. Oh, I was just frustrated because I just don't understand why the Scooby gang can't just trust Buffy. Buffy hardly ever misidentifies the the bad guy like ever and there's just i'm trying to was trying to pull up things from season two and three where she was totally right but people didn't trust her but i i was trying to i just couldn't couldn't access that part of my brain right now but um yeah i mean to me i know mike you want to talk about gaslighting or somebody wants to talk about gaslighting oh yeah uh, it's like gaslighting a little bit but it's not like they're really changing like the like physical things in the apartment it's mostly like people just don't trust Buffy, mm. which is just so crazy. I don't know, but it could be it could be partly with Willow anyway. She's finally found her own and has a little bit stronger of a voice and is like, well, she's questioning more. And I mean, who wouldn't when you have a roommate who's not really a person that's a part of the group, but yet it's there and. Yeah. It's like yeah. they're trying to stick up for the girl that's not in the Scooby gang. Yeah, it's not really knowing what the situation is. Yeah, it's weird how um how quickly she moves into the friend group. I mean, it's cuz she like aggressively decides she's going to be friends with uh, with Willow. And then later it kind of almost seems like it works. Like it almost seems like her and Willow actually do have a rapport later. Yeah, Kathy's really slick. She's good at school. <laughs> so speaking of Kathy, um, 
Why do you think she wants, why would a demon from another dimension go to this community college? Well, it's not community college, it's a state college. I mean, why would, why would the, go to this college? Uh, she wants the experience. She wants the, she, she's seen through a dimensional portal. She's seen the, uh, you know, some kind of college comedy. Maybe she's seen Animal House and she says, ah, I'm looking for a coming of age experience. Probably not Animal House, but she's seen something. <laughs> and she, <laughs> I would like a coming of age experience. And, uh, you know, because she's reached uh, 3,000 years old or whatever. And so she's like, that's for me. Because they don't have that in her dimension. They don't have universities. You know who would be her bestie? That'd be Anya. Too bad Anya wasn't in this episode. Yeah, they would have gotten yeah. each other. Yeah. Because they're both insane. They could have <laughs> traded faces. Uh. Yeah, I, I quoted, this is my, I actually put it in a new segment that I was going to come up with called Worst Lines, which was like this cringy line, which was when she says, I'm 3,000 years old. When are you going to start treating me like I'm 900? It was so cringy at the end. Yeah, it, that, it made me feel sorry for her because yeah. she really just wanted to go out and live her own life and experience being a new young adult, like finally getting, breaking away from her parentals and just got sucked back into a portal. Yep. I was the school year. I mean, it's like the first two episodes are just about students that like, you know, get that disappear. Yeah. One gets murdered. The other gets, you know, kidnapped back to her home dimension. All right. Any other questions? Okay. Let's move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. So Travis and I had a little points in here about how it's kind of about trust this episode. Um, but what, what is this episode about? Any, any thoughts about what it's about besides that? Is it just about trust and about? I thought you, I thought you said it was well, gaslighting. I, said, I gaslighting felt like a thing, but that feels like, a, I mean, that term feels like, a, to me, is a more modern term for the way people uh, try to retell a story to make it seem like you know, there's a different version if events is true. If I'm, if I'm I think describing gaslighting it. is a little bit worse than what's going on in this episode because they'd be trying to tell Buffy that everything that she knows to be true just is not true at all. Right. And they're really just kind of questioning like about the toenails and I, I don't know why I just really dig the whole toenails part. Because <laughs> it's amazing. You've never, yeah. seen, you've never seen an episode of television so focused on toenails. <laughs> Super weird. So great. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if gaslighting is the right word because that is used to describe, you know, the behavior of abusive people. And I don't know that, that this really qualifies in the same way because, I mean, yeah, she's stealing Buffy's soul, but um, it is true that Buffy is not seeing the world objectively because her soul is being, it's, she's not being made to believe that she can't see the world objectively. She actually can't. So I'm not sure that gaslighting applies. Okay. Uh, it's mostly, it's mostly about perception. I mean, if you had to yeah. boil it down, uh, perception is so, just varies from individual in that every, you know, we're all gonna interpret the same series of events a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, I do think, I don't think there's a ton beyond the surface of this episode. I think it's a lighter episode, but I do think it is sort of a parable about what it's like to live with people and the how um, you do end up viewing things in this really, really, really myopic sort of close way that you lose perspective 
and wind up doing things you would never normally do or having conflicts that you would never see yourself having. Uh, well, this, is a this is the first time Buffy's personal space is invaded by someone she didn't choose to let in. Right. And she really, she have, really has no choice. And she's just having to deal with this person. So it's, it's kind of a little bit of a growing up bit too. Yep. Right. Yeah. Cause Giles is like, you just have to deal with it. Right. And everyone's just like, deal with it. That's people. Uh, and then, you know, the joke at the end of the episode is that Buffy's annoyed by Willow eating a sandwich. Right. So it's like, Oh, looks like it's Buffy. Buffy's the problem. <laughs> She's got to deal, learn to deal with people. It's so weird that like, they blame her being an only child on this. So it's like, you could grow up with like 10 people in your household and still be like pissed, you know, have problems with people in your space. It's not like you're like, you know, you get some special immunity when you, you know. The only child comment made me realize that nobody in the Scooby gang has siblings. Yep. Which I just like thought was suddenly thought was very odd. Huh. I mean, I do believe that being an only child versus having, you know, other siblings does make you different, but we all have siblings. I think all of us have siblings, in fact. Yeah. So it's hard to, it's hard to call out the only child difference when you don't have that experience. But, you know, only children are, what, they're more selfish, more self-centered, right? Like, they're used to getting more attention, and they struggle to focus when the attention's not on them, right? That's the idea, yeah. I also think that the sibling word drop was planted on purpose, ah. which we can't really talk about. But uh, it's definitely like gets some gears turning for future developments. Oh, interesting. Uh, so Travis, uh, no, John, John, you you have a thing here about. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure this belongs in deep stuff, but I just think it's interesting that uh, the show seems to be using the word soul, like, and it's connected to the idea of having, like, a conscience or having a moral compass, that when Buffy, as her soul is taken away, she becomes more aggressive, she becomes more willing to consider murdering somebody, uh, <laughs> which connects with what happens to Angel, because when his soul is taken away, he becomes evil. But I just think it's kind of weird, because uh, as Kathy gains a soul, she doesn't become a better person. She's still, like... a an evil demon who wants to steal Buffy's soul. So it's not like she gets some soul and then like rethinks it and tries to give it back. Uh, that's well, all. We didn't really see her with the full soul yet. That's she true. Didn't get all of it. So the full effects of having a soul probably hadn't weighed upon Kathy's shoulders. <laughs> yeah. She was pretty nice. She seemed nice-ish. Yeah. But I don't know. She was also really annoying. I was totally on Buffy's side. <laughs> That egg, that weird egg cracking. Ugh, so well, it's more the fact that she was really smashing that egg on this unhygienic desk. That's what got my. That's what got my gears grinding. It was like, I totally would have opened an egg that way. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was. I mean, you might as well eat pencil shavings. Who needs salt on that egg? I mean, he, she was getting lots of dust and fuzz on it. Oh, it was just. It was. My like, oh man. She also seems kind of like a neat freak, freak, besides the whole toenails flying that's, everywhere. That's true. Uh, so maybe she had already bleached that surface a few times. You're right. It probably was quite quite clean. But yeah. Oh, man, this brings up a lot of questions. Oh, I was going <laughs> to I was gonna ask, like, what are your toenail-containing strategies? Because this when you, when you cut your own toenails. Because, <laughs> like, oh, this is like a classic problem with toenails. They go flying. <laughs> or nails. But I don't, I don't think there's any, like, life hack to, uh, to contain them. Nope. Finding toenails is gross. 
Yeah. Uh, so Travis, you have another thing. Here oh yeah. Polls? Yeah. Well, yeah, it just shows that it, as far as we can tell, she wasn't losing her slayer power as she was losing her soul, which would be crazy to have a vampire slayer without a soul, um, which is probably what should have happened to faith rather than faith, like just being some evil, you know, it would have been great if she had lost her soul. But um, anyways, uh, I guess that would have mimicked the end of season. That would have mimicked season two too much. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, man, this kind of shows, yeah, you could totally have a vampire slayer without a soul, which is kind of just a crazy thought. Well, it's also apparently dangerous because they'll go and murder their roommates. <laughs> well, extremely dangerous. <laughs> All right. So this is a new segment. Uh, we just want to talk about clothes for a second. It's clothes corner. Um, I just want, there's only one outfit to talk about in clothes corner this week, and that's uh, Willow's amazing cover up that she's wearing. It just looks nice. Kind of slick. It's, it reminded me of Samantha Sex in the City kind of vibe from this cover-up. Yeah, it's kind of like a knit poncho. It's very cool. I feel like that's cool today. Like some fashions just are for all time, and this is one of them. Especially in Portland, there's a lot of poncho, like knitted kind of loose poncho thingies going on. Cardies, cardigans, very popular here. All right, so let's move on to uh, predictions. Because Dennis isn't here to do kill count or uh, recommendations. Virgin predictions. All right. Uh, so let's review. Uh, first of all, Mike, you are at a 61.7. You're borderline between a D and an F. Uh, you lose two more points. You're in F territory. So, uh, First of all, we have something that I, I apparently just totally forgot to count, apparently, uh, but you predicted in Season 3, Episode 16, that Anya is going to regain her powers during Season 3, and we missed uh, updating this one during the Season 3 roundup. So I'm going to go ahead and deny that one for you, since uh, Anya did not regain her powers during Season 3. I thought she was going to be more important. <laughs> she really did want to run away. Um, let's see. You also predicted that you predicted that Angel Angel is going to start a detective agency, and by this time he has. Yes. So uh, we're going to count that, even though we're not really watching Angel. It's happened by now, so we're going to go ahead and confirm that. And that is it. So that updates your score to a sixty-one point six. So you pretty much stayed the same. Great. Well, I've got some new predictions from this episode. Uh, I believe here's prediction one: is uh, Will and Buffy they're going to be great roommates. Uh, however, and this is this follow-up prediction, Buffy is going to be jealous of Oz and Willow because they have such an amazing relationship. They're great. Um, so, John, you played the clip for me uh, that I'd missed of uh, Oz making eye contact with some some strange woman. Um, Oz saw another werewolf, is my prediction, um, in the Stranger Passing clip. And then we saw the sniper team go by. Uh, my next prediction is Oz is going to get kidnapped by the sniper team people. Like he's next. And uh, Xander is going to date someone who goes to college. <laughs> and that'll be weird. He'll have a little bit chip in his shoulder about that. That person might also be a monster, but I want to let <laughs> Xander date multiple people just in case. Okay, got it. Well, this was a relatively light episode of Buffy, but it was fun to watch. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, of course, check out Dennis Comics, denniscomics.com. Uh, you can follow us, of course, on Instagram, Buffy Virgin, Buffy Virgin Pod. 
uh, Buffy Virgin on Twitter. So I was Michael Poli at Michael Poli on Twitter. And all right, great. Uh, and thank you, Travis, uh, John, and Audrey for being on the show. We'll catch you Yay. next time.